Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to a brand new message. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Come on, yeah, yeah. Hey, let's grab a seat today. You know, I did my, uh, my absolute best Pastor Harrison impression today. And I spilled coffee all over my shirt just before church started. So I'm the proud owner of a brand new Kingdom Church uh, t-shirt, you know. And uh, so it's a little on the nose for me, but that's okay. You know, that's, that's all right. Uh, hey, uh, once again, my name is Brett and my incredible, beautiful wife, Desiree, is here. Stand up. Okay. Anyways... And uh, we love y'all so much. We love Kingdom Church so much. And I'm excited for what God wants to do through this place and this house and this family, this church. And we're just going to dive right into the Word. They're like, what is he going to do next? (laughs) They're just ready. Thanks, Sid. Thanks for being ready, you know. Uh, You just never know what's going to happen. And I've got today 11 principles for the promise. Okay, 11 principles for the promise. And you're like, that seems like a lot. It is a lot. And, uh, but we're going to make it. And Pastor Harrison doesn't think we're going to make it. And so we're going to make it through today. And just share 11 thoughts on the promise. Because in Scripture, uh, the Apostle Paul shares that the Old Testament, all of that is for our learning. That we can extract principles from Scripture, from the Word, from these lives of ordinary, normal people who serve a really big, faithful God. And we can learn from their mistakes, we can learn from their experiences, and we can apply it into our lives, wow, in our lives, and into this season right here. So I've called this Principles for the Promise because I believe in many ways this dedication and what what we're experiencing right now is Kingdom Church stepping into the promised land of this new season. Sorry, there's not enough people in the room that agree that we're stepping into a promised land. Okay, now we're back. We're back, Kingdom Church, we're back. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Psalm 106, and we're going to go through Joshua 3, 4, and 5, and then we're going to do that in about 28 minutes or less. And uh, we're going we're gonna to just go there. And uh, there's two levels on which we can take this word today. First, we're speaking into the church as a community as a whole. But then secondly, there's some principles for the promise for you personally as you move into this brand new season. September's a brand new season. To me, it's a real new year happens in September as everything kind of launches. So as we move into brand new seasons, um, I really believe that this is a significant day uh, and a turning point moment, not just for our, for the, for our church family, uh, but for you as an individual. And I just also want to express before we jump into Psalm 106, that uh, the Saints Church family loves you all so much. And on behalf of Pastors Jeremy and Brandy Wolfram, who lead our Glory Hills location, and our whole Saints Church family, we are one million percent uh, behind you and with you and so excited for what comes next. Okay, here we go. Psalm 106, verse 7, and we're going deep to verse 25. Our ancestors in Egypt were not impressed by the Lord's miraculous deeds. They soon forgot his many acts of kindness to them. Instead, they rebelled against him at the Red Sea. Even so, he saved them, 
to defend the honor of his name, to demonstrate his mighty power. He commanded the Red Sea to dry up. He led Israel across the sea as if it were a desert. So he rescued them from their enemies and redeemed them from their foes. Then the water returned and covered their enemies. Not one of them survived. Then his people believed his promises. They sang his praise. Yet how quickly they forgot what he has done. They wouldn't wait for his counsel. In the wilderness, in their desires ran wild, testing God's patience in that dry wasteland. So he gave them what they asked for, but he sent a plague along with it. The people, listen to this, the people in the camp were jealous of Moses and envious of Aaron, the Lord's high priest. So, their desires ran wild. They did whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, however they wanted. God let it happen. And yet the people that they were envious of were the people that were near God who lived a life that was set apart, holy, and blameless. Because there's something about this next season and there's something about following God that says, hey, he demands of you a holiness and a set apartness that is desirable and it doesn't make sense, it's counterintuitive, but it's like, why were they so envious? So because of this, and, and you're gonna go read the Old Testament after I finish this passage. Because of this, the earth opened up and it swallowed Dathan and Bur- Abram and all the other rebels. Yeah, the Lord just swallowed people into the ground. So just read Exodus, you'll be excited. Fire fell upon their followers, a flame consumed the wicked. So now he was burning people. Then. People made a calf at Mount Sinai and they bowed before an image made of gold. They traded their glorious God for a statue of a grass-eating bull. Sounds like Alberta. (laughs) They forgot God, their savior, who had done such great things in Egypt, such wonderful things in the land of Ham, such awesome deeds at the Red Sea. So he declared he would destroy them, but Moses, his chosen one, stepped in between the Lord and the people, and he begged him to turn from his anger and not destroy them. The people refused, get this, the people refused to enter the pleasant land, for they wouldn't believe his promise to care for them. So they didn't enter the promised land, and and I got to give a a shout-out credit. Desiree showed me this verse, so she gets all the credit. But the people refused, and the Lord, because he wrote it, but... The people refused to enter the pleasant land for they wouldn't believe his promise to care for them. It is possible that you could try to walk into a season of promise, but you will stay on the other side and on the outside if you don't trust Jesus to carry you through. So it might seem like a stretch. It might seem like a big step of faith. It might seem like a leap, but you settle back because you don't trust him and you trust your comfort or you trust what you know and you will not ever enter that pleasant place that he has intended for you. Instead, and this is how you end up, instead they grumbled in their tents, grumbled and complained in their tents and refused to obey the Lord. Now for our Bible scholars in the room, let's flip over to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 1 verse 35. So God now speaking to this generation, the, the parents of the kids who are about to possess the promised land, he just said, listen, because you grumbled and complained in your tents, not one of you, Deuteronomy 1 verse 35, not one of you from this wicked generation will live to see the good land I swore to give your ancestors. So he says, there's a, there's a dividing line here that if you trust me, you can come through. If you don't, You'll never see that which has been promised. 
So we're diving in today, principles for the promise. Now, here's a few things that we need to understand about the Israelites contextually, just so we can understand the text as we unpack it, is that the Israelites at this season were spending 40 years wandering around the desert because they trusted themselves more than they trusted God. So God played a waiting game. He said, listen, because you trusted yourself more than you trust me, you're going to have to wait on the side, but your kids can inherit the promise. Come on, it's about generations. So your kids can inherit the promise. Now, those kids only knew God's provision in a very specific way. They knew him as leading them and guiding them really in circles around this, this desert that should have taken maybe days. Uh, it took them years. And he, they knew God and his provision by a couple of things. Manna, which came every day, and quail. Because they complained they didn't get enough protein. So he sent birds, which is gross. Anyways, maybe quail eggs are good, though. That could be... That could be a thing. But they knew God's provision in a very specific way. They knew him, knew him as, a, as like a daily provider. As they moved into a new season, they were about to know him in a whole new way. Kingdom Church knows God and knows of his faithfulness in a very specific way. He's been good. He's been faithful. He keeps increasing your, your reach, you know, using Bible language. He's expanding your territory. You're making a bigger tent, which is a building. But as you move into a new season, the way the Lord is going to move, the way he's going to provide, the way that he's going to sustain, the way that he's going to carry is going to be different. It doesn't mean that he's gone. It means that you're moving into a new season. It's one of the signals or markers of a new season. So what was very normal and very routine, you go, how how come these things aren't just just flowing the way that they did? He said, "I, I provided for you in that way so I could get you right here right now. But as you move into a new season, there's something new that I'm about to do. And if you would trust me, I'm gonna lead you forward. So here we go. How do you enter the promised land? We're in a new season, we've got a new building, Kingdom Church is entering God's promised land. Promised land, if you want another definition, just means God's promised or prepared place. Kingdom Church is entering God's prepared place, both in a physical location, but in a spiritual place. We're entering God's prepared place. How do we enter God's prepared place? Joshua 3 verse 1, here we go. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites, Joshua is now leading Israel. He's about to lead them into the promised land. Early the next morning, Joshua and the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan where they camped before crossing. Now, Acacia Grove is a really nice way that the New Living Translation explains this. There's another word for this place that they, that they were living, and it's called Shittim. It's a Bible word. See, look, it's in there. It's in there. He took my punchline. It's in there already. And it's just a transliteration of the way that the Hebrews, what? What's so funny? It's a transliteration of how, uh, in the natural Hebraic language, Ryan, that the Acacia Grove, was just, it's literally meaning Acacia Grove, but in this place called Shittim, all kinds of stuff went down, and it was a place of, it was a place of compromise, 
It was a place where just before they were about to enter God's promise, just before they were about to step into it, just as it was right there, literally on the other side of the river, they said, you know what? We're going to start sleeping with all kinds of people. We're going to start just doing all kinds of stuff. We're going to maybe start worshiping some other gods. We can introduce some of those places. It was a place where people tried to bring a curse against them, but God reversed it and he turned it into a blessing. All kinds of stuff went down. So here is the first key to entering the promised land. You got to get out of Shittim. You got to get out. You got to get out. It's a place of compromise and cursing, but the Lord purifies and the Lord protects. The Lord purifies and the Lord protects. Things are going to be different. It's a new season to enter the new. Here we go. Come on, church family. Now, this is going to be the hardest part of this whole thing. To enter the new, you have to exit the old. To enter the new, you have to exit the old. Joshua 3.14. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Come on, you gotta get out of shit. I'm number two. If you wanna learn more about that, by the way, numbers 22 to 25. That's your Bible study for the week. Number two, follow the leader. Turn to somebody and say, follow the leader. Joshua three, verse three and four. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you've never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. So church, as we enter the next season, what do we do? The Ark of the Covenant symbolizes and was the resting place of the Holy Spirit. What do we do as we move into the next season? We let the Holy Spirit lead us. Let the Holy Spirit lead us. Now, you notice it says, listen, two things. You've never been this way before, so you got to keep your distance. You're like, does that mean I have to keep my distance from the Holy Spirit? It means, no, you keep them right in front of you and draw. you draw as near as you can. But you understand that because you haven't been this way before, he already has. He's been down every way, shape, form. He's been there. He's come back. So you're going to follow him, but you're going to follow him in such a way that he's going to go ahead of you. And you're going to look at him, and you're going to just keep following the Holy Spirit, his leading his prompting, the way the church is going to go, and there's an ebb and a flow. They kept their distance, so when the road went down, the people knew that the road was going down, that the elevation was changing, and when the road went up, they were able to go that, and they were able to turn left, and they were able to turn right. This whole nation, this whole group was able to follow the leading of the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy Spirit, into the promised land, so we follow the Holy Spirit, but we understand that he's taking us somewhere that we have not been before. And so we watch him and we let him lead us through the ebbs and the flows and the twists and the turns. Number three, get ready, get ready, get ready. Why is there three? Sounds more exciting. Joshua 3 verse 5. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Purify yourselves. Now here's a distinctive of kingdom church. The unique way that God is moving here is that there's a lot of people that are younger here. A lot of young people. And that's exciting. It's the best. It's amazing. Yeah, young people. You're like, you know you're old when you call people young people. What the mid, this is what mid-30s looks like, y'all young people. Here's the honest truth. If you want to get where the, like, if you want to get where God wants you to go, okay, 
You have to purify yourselves. You're like, ah, I'm good though. I got to see what the world has to offer me. I don't know if you noticed the passage earlier that I read, but they did anything they wanted, whenever they wanted, however they wanted. They saw all the world had to offer, and yet they were jealous of Moses and Aaron because they were near the presence of God. In fact, Moses was described as a friend of God who would talk to God as a friend. So if you want to go into places and do things that no one thought possible, you're going to take that new land, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna see world-shaking, city-shaking things, you got to purify yourself to say, listen, I'm set apart, I'm called by God, he's got a purpose for me, and I'm going to live his way, not my way, I'm not going to compromise. And if you're not in the young adult category, then... Work on your marriage. Stop texting that person. Stop watching that thing. Anyways, purify yourself. Here's the second thing about that is when he says, for the Lord, tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. He was speaking to a generation who had only ever heard the stories of the goodness of God. Their whole life was walking in circles. The Lord supernaturally gave them new shoes and new clothes all the time. Nothing wore out. And they ate the same meal every single day. They were on the most restricted diet meal plan. But that was normal. So what seems miraculous to us seems normal to them, but that's all they ever knew. And they heard stories of God doing all these amazing, incredible, great things, but they had never seen it themselves. Joshua says, it's time for you to purify yourself for tomorrow. God's gonna do great things among you. Listen, there's all kinds of people in this room. You've heard things. You heard of what God could do. You heard of how he could change a region. You've heard about how he could heal people and put the broken back together. You've heard about these things, but you have not seen these things. My friends, as a church, come on, Kingdom Church, purify yourselves, get ready for tomorrow. Tomorrow, the Lord will do great things among you. You're going to start living in the stories and you will start telling the stories of the things that God has done right here, right now in this season. You're not just going to hear about it. You're going to start living, living it, but you've got to get ready. Number four, we're rolling in the deep. Joshua 3.15. It was harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing it's bang. Now let me give you some context. You may recall by watching Prince of Egypt <laughs> that the Lord parted the Red Sea and they just walked through and then he just closed it on the Egyptians, which seems harsh, but in fairness, they're trying to murder everybody. <laughs> so this generation had heard about those things, but they had never seen it. They had never experienced themselves. So they're about to enter the promised land. So the way that they were going to enter the promised land is that God said, listen, if I could do it once, I can do it again. And it's time for you in this generation to see what is possible, see what I can do. It's time for you to understand uh, what it is that I'm doing and that I'm not a God that's far away, that I'm not a God that's distant, that I'm a God who's present. And you've heard the stories and you've heard the rumors and you've heard the rumblings of what's possible but now it's time for you to see it and taste it so that as you step into the new thing, you'll know, oh man, I think he's just getting started. 
So now, this whole group of people rolls up to the Jordan River, not the same river, but it rolls up to the Jordan River and it's harvest time, so it's literally overflowing with water. How many knows that when God calls you into a next season, into your next, into whatever's coming next, that circumstances are normally not ideal? So he, he, he says, listen, so here's the game plan. The, the Ark of the Covenant's gonna be carried by the priests, the Levites, so the worshipers go first. He says, I just want you to walk up to the bank of that river. In the moment that you get into the water, I'm about to do something. Now that's a place of faith because you're carrying a very expensive, very heavy box on poles where the Holy Spirit lives. And you're like, I don't want to be the guy that gets my sandals stuck in the mud or get washed down this river. But things aren't always as they appear. He is true to his word. He is faithful, but it doesn't mean that your ankles aren't going to get wet. So what does it say? It says that they stepped into the banks. The moment that they got in there up to their ankles, God did something. So just because the situations and circumstances aren't what you expected or aren't what you anticipated, and it's just a little harder than you thought it was going to be, it seems like I didn't think I was going to get wet today. He's like, but watch what I can do if you would trust me. We'll keep going. Number five, in front, in the middle, and all around back. It was harvest season, Joshua 3.15. It was harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at river's edge, the water Above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarathan, and the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on the dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Joshua 4, verse 10 to 11. The priests who were carrying the ark stood in the middle of the river until all the Lord's commands that Moses had given to Joshua carried out. Meanwhile, the people hurried across the riverbed. And then everyone, when everyone was safely on the other side, the priests crossed over with the ark of the Lord as the people watched. Here's the principle to extract from this moment right here. God goes before you. He stands right in the middle of it. And then he's got your back. He goes before you, he's right in the middle of it, and he's got your back. He goes before you, he's right in the middle of it, and he's got your back. You think, oh, God, you're leading me, and you're going to lead me to figure it out in the middle. No, he's right in the middle. Well, how is he right in the middle? Because he understands Jesus Christ came fully God, fully man. He showed up. He understood what we go through as humans. So he understands where your heart is. He understands the anxiety that you feel. He understands your worry and your doubt and your excruciating pain. And he says, listen, I don't only lead you, but I'm right here in the middle. I'm right here in the middle. I don't know what you're going through today, but I believe there's somebody here that goes, God, I think you've left me. And he sent me to tell you today and remind you that he is right here in the middle. He's right here in the middle. Now you're going to have to submit to his way. But he's right here in the middle. And then as you make your way out, he goes before you. He's here in the middle and he's right behind you. It's 360 
present. You're like, I don't understand how this works. How can he be in three places at once? Uh, three in one. <laughs> Omnipotent, omnipresent. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to be right there in the middle. He's not going to hang you out to dry. He's got your back. Jesus, I think you forgot about me. No, he's got your back. He's watching your backside. He's saying, maybe you could hurry up a little bit. If you would trust me. So everyone get over to the other side. And then the Holy Spirit comes behind them as if to say, I'm going to lead you and guide you through every phase and every moment of this journey. If you would trust me, I will lead you and I will protect you from behind. I will lead you in front and I'm going to be there right in the middle. Number six, play the Jurassic Park music. Life finds a way. <laughs> do, 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 do. Chaos theory. Anyways, Joshua 3, verse 16. The water above that point began backing up, so God backed up the river. A great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan, and the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Can I just tell you this? Life spills out when God finds a way. Life spills out. So get ready, Kingdom Church, to bring life to dry things. So where did the water go? It went to the Dead Sea. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm making an analogy, a whole point that there's a dead thing there. The Dead Sea is dead, not because it has nothing feeding into it, but because nothing comes out of it. It, it, in this case, I believe in this season, it represents all those people who put everything that they have, every bit of human effort, every bit of their humanity into success. But when there is no outflow, when there is no outflow of God, when there is no outflow of love, it's dead. And it, there's nothing that can live in this place. But here's what happens when God breaks through, when there is a miracle and there's a miracle that you're living in the middle of right now. Life spills out of this place. It spills out of your life. It spills out of the church. And all of a sudden, those things that were dead start popping up all around. Here's the thing that's going to be really frustrating to you. These businesses are going to be incredibly successful. And Pastor Harrison's like, but I want them to fail so I can get another bay. <laughs> but life finds a way because this is the goodness of God and the goodness of God is all around you and it's all over you and you carry it wherever it goes. Life finds a way. When kingdom people are around, life splashes. That's probably a t-shirt in there somewhere. <laughs> Number seven, remember, remember, the 4th of November. Joshua 4, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, now choose 12 men, one from each tribe, then tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. Verse six, we will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. It's important as we enter a new season to remember the faithfulness of God. Now they stacked up some stones so that 
years down the road when they were taking a walk in the park and the grandpa was taking his grandkids out for a walk and they stopped by the pile of stones and they were climbing all over it and there's a plaque on it and nobody understood that it's named after somebody significant and so they asked their grandpa, grandpa, what are these rocks about? He's like, oh, that's very simple, grandson. This is the time where God literally opened up this river. It was dry. We walked across. It was awesome. I took a very long time because I just wanted to walk through the mud and know that this was incredible. And I stood there and I watched the water on this side and the water on this side. We got to celebrate in moments like these. But then we have to continue to tell the story of what God has done and is doing. So this, this is awesome. This is what they did. In verse 9. Uh, chapter four of Joshua. Joshua also set up another pile of 12 stones. The 12 represent one for every tribe of Israel. So that nobody was forgotten. Everyone was remembering. Joshua set up another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing and they're there to this day. So he said, listen, we're gonna pile some stones on the outside to remind us, but we're gonna pile some stones on the inside in the middle of the impossible moment so that when other people go, how come there's a giant pile of stones here in this river? Because, oh, that's where we walked by. You couldn't have walked by that. You couldn't have gone through that. That's not possible for you. You couldn't have had that moment. God couldn't have opened up a facility. God couldn't have done that thing through you. God couldn't have done that thing through your church. It's like, no, 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 go back, take a look because right in the middle of the mess is where we remember the goodness of God. Come on, if he could do it once, he could do it again. They continue this thought in Joshua 4, 21 to 24. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Come on, Kingdom Church. In the future, your children and your children's children are gonna ask, what do you mean he did this? What do you mean he used you? What do you mean a whole neighborhood and a city and a region was transformed? How did you do that? Oh, I didn't, but he did. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the Lord your God. That was the word to the Israelites, but come on, it's the word to kingdom church today. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful so you might fear the Lord your God forever. You're like, how are all the nations gonna know that in St. Albert, Alberta, we got a, a building in an industrial park because this is gonna be a house that sends out missionaries all across the globe. This is gonna be a place that's gonna reach nation to nation to nation to nation that as the world comes to Canada... The nations are going to come here, and they're going to know what God has done. And they will know that he can do anything. If he uses a person like me and a person like you, God can do anything. All right, we got three more. Are you ready for this? Very quickly, as the band prepares to come. Number nine. Funny story. I thought I had 10. Turns out I had 11. So Harrison, let me know that. This is number nine, which I thought was number eight. Okay, word gets out. Joshua 5, verse 1. When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so that the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. So Israelites move into this new territory. God did this amazing thing. Word gets out. People start getting nervous. The reason I share this today, because this explains two things that you're about to experience. 
It explains the incredible favor that you're about to experience as a church in this new season where relationships and people and all these things are just gonna start happening and and you, even as an individual, you're gonna find yourself stepping into a new season of God's favor, but it also explains the incredible pushback that you're about to experience. Because anytime you take ground, anytime you threaten darkness, they make some noise. But we know that our God is greater, he's stronger, he's high above any other. It's just, I'm just explaining the context of what you're about to experience, that when you take ground, people understand that God is doing something. There's a shifting in the atmosphere. So this explains both the favor of God that's on your life and the pushback. And the pushback should be a confirmation that we're moving in the right direction at the right time. That when it comes, there's gonna be, you're gonna say, man, I should have had this, this partnership with this community group. We're just trying to serve them. This should happen. It's not happening. This doesn't make sense. It makes sense when you understand The devil has no interest in you taking care of the most vulnerable. But that pushback doesn't mean you settle back. It means we push forward and we trust Jesus. Because he's given us a new season and a new territory and new ground. Two more things. One verse, two things. Number 10 is no mo manna. Joshua 5, 12. No manna appeared on the first day they ate first ate from the crops of the land and it was never seen again so from that time on the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan here's what you need to know his provision looks different so they get into the promised land manna kept coming they worked the land they had to work it they worked it they farmed it they tilled it they planted seeds in fact seeds were already planted they started to eat of a harvest of things that they did not plant the moment they start to eat eat from the land eat from the land The moment they started to eat it, God's daily provision stopped. He says, I'm not just having to provide for your needs. I've now given you a way to provide for your needs. I'm I'm going ahead of you. I'm going before you. Something else is about to shift and about to change. And in a moment, you could be challenged in your faith because you say, God, you always did these things for me and you did it in this way and you did it at this time. And I liked it when it happened this way at this time and this way. He says, listen, in a new season, there's new provision. And those things that you got used to or or accustomed to were only a temporary measure to propel you into your future but you gotta work it, that's number 11. This is the starting line, not the finish line. And you gotta work that land. God used to deliver the food, now they work the land. This new season means what? Kingdom church, you've gotta work the land. You've reached a harvest of seeds that you have not planted, and now you've gotta sow the seeds so that you can see what harvest the Lord has for you. You gotta work the land. This looks like and feels like work. Like, but I thought it's a new season, a new building thing, we can just settle back. No, this is what humanity does time and time and time again. This is why we use the backdrop of the people of Israel because this is what we do as humanity. God does something, we settle in, we get comfortable, we don't notice that he's asking us to move forward, but we say, no, I just like how you used to do it and how you've always done it. And if we could just stay in that moment, it was so good. Can't we just stay there? He says, no, this is a great moment, but so many more moments are to come. You gotta roll up your sleeves. You gotta work the land. I gave you a provision for this season to get you to this point right now, but come on, Kingdom Church, you gotta work the land. Less claps on that one, less claps. 
Less claps on working the land. But can I tell you that when you work the land, you see the harvest. How do I know that? Galatians 6 reminds us that don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. And at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. If what? If we don't give up. So let's roll up our sleeves, Kingdom Church. Step into a brand new season. We're going to work the land and we are going to experience signs, wonders, miracles in a house of miracles, in a season of harvest as we step into what God has for us. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. Thank you for listening to the message. We hope it blessed you and that you're encouraged and inspired. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or want more information about our church, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time, take care.